Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome to the Shine a Light on series. Today we'll be shining a light on changing majors mid-college with Grace Ling. So welcome, Grace. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. We're excited to have you. So to start, do you mind giving a little bit of background about yourself? What are your experiences exactly with changing your major? Yeah, of course. So a little like TLDR, my career summary is I changed different career paths many times. Growing up, I wanted to be an anime artist, game designer, professional runner, lifestyle blogger, motivational speaker. Came into college as a bio major, pre-med, aspiring neurosurgeon, and then later game designer, virtual reality enthusiast, and computer scientist and software engineer. And now I am doing UI UX design, and currently I'm finishing up my last year of school as a UX design intern at Electronic Arts. Yes, thank you so much for that. And if anyone's listening to that for the first time, feel free to rewind and listen to that again. It is true. I feel like I've known Grace for years and her story is very interesting. There are a lot of twists and turns, but it seems like you found your place now, Grace, which is really nice. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Next thought I want to bring up is I don't think it helps that I'm an engineer in this particular case, but I hear how students will sign up for and stick with a major because it met their parents' expectations. I think to a degree, I chose engineering because of this, to be honest. So did you experience this at all? And if so, how did you navigate this when deciding to ultimately focus on something maybe your parents were not anticipating? Oh yeah, both my parents are both PhD professors working in academia. So all my life since I was four years old, they were like, Grace, you're going to get a PhD too, so we can call you Dr. Ling, just like your father. So it was always given to me that I had to pursue something engineering related. The reason why I chose bioengineering was kind of also because I was a cross-country runner and I wanted to learn how to biohack myself to run faster. But I was also kind of growing up in a Bay Area. A lot of the kids were like, I have to be a doctor, engineer, or lawyer. A lot of the parents and teachers encouraged that. So I chose bioengineering because I could learn how to biohack myself to run faster, but at the same time, combine engineering and medicine. So I hit two of those like goal things. So that's 100% the reason why I chose my major. But then I decided after doing research and working at a hospital, it was not the path I wanted to take. And I learned the hard way that I should not be doing something for my resume or to impress anyone. Yes, I second that, Grace. I agree. I'm glad you came to that conclusion. My next question for you, from my understanding, I know you changed your major once, but it seems to me that you had sort of two shifts in your career. So how did you know that product design in particular was the one that you're going to stick with? I like product and UX design a lot because it really combines like storytelling, visual design, and also problem solving. So storytelling, visual design from my background in writing comics when I was younger and drawing and solving problems in the engineer. So I really love how interdisciplinary it was. I just like really enjoy working on projects and I just like loved how it combined all my interests. And that's kind of how I discovered it and really felt to enjoy it a lot. Yeah, you know, I'm a a strong advocate for product design, so I'm glad to hear this too. And I agree that it is a mesh of a lot of different interests or can be. So that's why it brings together, I think, very creative, technical, entrepreneurial, even people. So you chose a good one, I think. Thank you. So in this process of making these pretty major changes, which people, groups, resources have been particularly helpful for you during your shifts? Yeah, so I definitely feel like online communities have been helpful. So I guess a little background. So coming 
from my college, I was like bioengineer and then computer science and then design. So at first, I, I struggled a lot by saying no, because when I was a bioengineering major, I was also involved in like a lot of research and got a lot of like grants and publications. And like my professor really wanted me to stay in lab. And I was also always looking forward for lab to end. I just like looking forward to drawing, going home, and I just didn't enjoy the work I was doing. My favorite part of lab was actually photoshopping the photos I took of myself. So it looked pretty for publications. I didn't enjoy any actual lab work. After doing that for two years, I've came to conclusion that I didn't want to pursue that anymore, but was afraid to tell my professor that because I helped him like get featured in the SCU news, like, all these cool things because he was involved with my project. He would just like see me talk and get really excited about games and he gave me permission to quit. And I really needed that because I wouldn't have actually like quit quit because I knew it looked good on my resume, but the fact that my professor, Dr. Bill Liu from SCU, shout out to him. He gave me permission to quit and basically I felt free. He was super nice. He was supportive and just wanted for me to do the best, even though I was like also helping him as well. So I guess that's the first figure that really helped me in my career. And then after that, I have started going into virtual reality. This virtual reality lab opened up at SCU, so I started learning how to do games and watching YouTube tutorials and learning how to really look out or look out for resources outside of school to do things. And so it really taught me that I'm not limited to what I'm learning in class or my major. I found a nice community of students at SCU who were also in the same boat as I was wanting to learn VR, but there wasn't any professors who really knew what VR was. So we kind of helped each other out and that really made a difference. I had like a support system at school. We would often and stay up to 3 a.m., just like five of us, 3 a.m. in lab and just like work on VR stuff outside of our academic commitments. And that was really fun. And that really inspired me to keep pursuing design and motivated me through and which led to like my other internship at Intuitive Surgical as a VR robotic surgery game developer intern, which kind of leads to the point of my parents. At first, they were kind of hesitant about me going to games because they're like, oh, games are just for fun. You just like shoot people and stuff. And people apparently enjoy that. And they learned that games can be used for training surgeon education as well. Because I also made another like educational game called Selfie. And it kind of opened their mind to me pursuing games and pursuing something non-directly like engineering related, hard sciences related. So there is that too. And yeah, I had a lot of like supportive people along the way, like my mostly my classmates, like professors, they just like wanted me to like pursue academia. Like I had professors who would like sit down with me and like tell me to go to med school or like tell me to pursue a PhD. And yeah, honestly, like filtering that out was also like an important skill. And I guess the biggest challenge that I faced was my next career transition. So my first career transition was bioengineering to game design slash computer science. My second transition would be computer science slash game design to UI UX design. I faced a lot of friction with professors at my school. This was kind of when I started grad school in October 2019. I had a professor. He was the head of a bioengineering department. I was a grader for him. And he just like asked me what I was doing for my career. And I was like, oh, I'm doing UI UX and product design, which is like total one any shift from last time we've talked. And he was like... You know, my daughter, she's 14. She did design. You don't do design when you're 21 or something. He spent 40 minutes basically discouraging me, saying how I should stick to my major and how I shouldn't be pursuing design. I didn't listen to him. <laughs> I thought it was like really weird vibes like coming from a professor of such high ranking, with like over 20 years of experience, tenure track, and all that fancy titles. And giving me this advice of not pursuing my interests was just really interesting. But I just like didn't let that stop me. I also had faced a lot of 
friction online. I was part of a lot of other design communities as well. And I just felt like I was also shunned for being a beginner. I posted my work before my first case study, but people shunned me for being a beginner, but I was proud of it. So I found it pretty discouraging, which later inspired me to start Design Buddies, which is an inclusive design community that actually we just hit 7,000 members in five months, which is crazy. But I would say Design Buddies and everyone I've met on LinkedIn, because I, my life has been super supportive in my journey and giving me feedback for free even. And yeah, so like just basically on LinkedIn and just reaching out to people like mentors on the internet because I didn't really have a strong support system at school that could really help me in my journey as well. So yeah, so LinkedIn and all the mentors I've met in design through LinkedIn. Awesome. I was very much hoping you would give Design Buddies a bit of a plug. So thank you for doing that. If you're listening and you are not part of the Design Buddies community already, please join. Just Google it. It's there. And congrats again, Grace, on reaching, you said 7,000 people in the community, correct? Yeah. Wow. Un unreal. Very cool. Just to follow up on something you mentioned earlier on is I think that people can easily get in a repetitive motion and just repeating the same motion can be the easiest route, I would say, because change is scary. But the first step to change is recognizing that what is currently happening is not really what's best. And so how did you recognize that you did not like what you were doing when you were in particular in lab doing bio related work? Yeah, I didn't like what I was doing because I looked forward to going home every day. And my professor would notice like my tone, my change of attitude when I was talking about cells versus talking about games. So just like looking forward to go home every day and just doing things to please someone else. And I know I had other interests, but I didn't take action on them because I thought it wouldn't look as good as my resume. But looking forward to go home every day is how I realized like, I'm hating every moment of it, to be honest. Even though I had really nice people, I just didn't enjoy the work I was doing. And I'm really honest with myself because I'm really good at telling people that, oh, I'm enjoying this just to look good on my resume. It's really easy for me to do, but to just be honest with myself and say, I hate this and that's okay. And that just helps me kind of realize I don't want to do this anymore. Yes, definitely. No, that's good to hear. And I'm obviously glad that you came to that conclusion with some time. I think that piece alone can be very difficult for people. I think people can convince themselves like, ah, I must stick with this, even if I don't like it for reasons you've already mentioned. So glad you came to this conclusion, Grace. So as we both know, it's easy to get in the groove of a major and spend semesters and possibly even years exploring something before realizing it is not the right fit. So what would you recommend to juniors and seniors who want to make a career shift? Yeah, so looking back, I probably would not have signed up for grad school. Coming from both parents as a PhD, I, I have a very different view of life, different view of what success meant when I was in college. And I always thought success meant more schooling. But as I do more coffee chats and get more experience working in industry, I realize that everything is changing. The education system is not of high of a value as it was like 20 years ago. People change career paths. They can go to boot camps, self-teach themselves with so much information on the internet. So at least for careers and product design, and software engineering and most tech careers, I would say more schooling is not always the correct answer. School is great to give yourself knowledge of the fundamentals and know how to like time manage, especially as an undergrad. I feel like that experience is valuable, knowing how to deal with professors, play the game of school, time manage and know what I dislike. But I feel like for grad school, it's really important to pursue something post-graduate, depending on what you want to do for your career. Like if you want to be 
a doctor or a lawyer, it's really, really important because people's lives are dependent on you. So definitely more school is good for that. But for careers in design, I don't think it is the case unless you feel absolutely lost and there's not many opportunities. Because for me, like learning the design was actually rough because there's so much information on the internet. I didn't really know which one I did look at. I just happened to found a course that strung it all together perfectly for me. But I would say it's not important. I don't have any like certifications or design degrees, but I was actually able to get an internship at Electronic Arts and also have a full-time offer, verbal full-time offer lined up after I graduate without any design degree at one of the largest gaming companies. So I would say, no, I don't think more school is the answer to design at least. There's so many professors who wanted me to pursue a PhD because they saw a lot of potential in me. But for me, I don't feel like a PhD was a great fit for me because I didn't have one thing that I really liked a lot. And I don't really see myself working in academia just because culture fit. I just didn't really see myself pursuing. I haven't found that one thing I really want to dedicate my whole life doing yet, or if I will, then that's okay. Yes, that is definitely okay. Also, we are so young, Grace. There's time. Even if you have a career change at 70, I think there's still time to explore. Thank you for sharing that. I know you mentioned that perhaps more schooling is not the option. Then for anyone sort of looking to get into something completely new without signing up for additional classes or picking up a new major, what are alternatives that you would recommend? Yeah, so I'd say experience is the most important thing, especially in tech and design and software engineering. Basically, I taught myself design in eight months and landed an internship at EA during the pandemic with zero dollars spent on learning design. How I did this was I first understood the fundamentals and like design thinking process and applied them through my first case study project. And then after that three month class, I started applying to internships, but I was getting rejected, ghosted by so many places, probably because I applied to like large companies. I don't know anyone inside, so I got ghosted naturally and also rejected. And also the pandemic hit, interviews canceled. I was kind of in a rough place because 99% of the reason why I signed up for grad school is so I had another summer to intern to get my foot in the door. And none of it was working out until I got my offer at the end of May, literally last week of May. But what I did during the meantime to get more experience is that I participated in a lot of hackathons and design challenges and get experience that way, get experience working on a team. And sometimes the hardest part is thinking about like what project to work on. But working on a team and working at events like hackathons and design challenges or project jams, they give you a prompt already, which saves you a lot of time. And sometimes like if you work on a team, you can bounce off ideas and not have to do all the research yourself. And you can have motivation and you can also practice working with product managers, engineers, and other people as well and other designers which is a really, really important skill. So it's really easy to get into these things. Or can work in startups. Like I also like signed up for Opal because I want to get more experience. And also I felt like it was a really amazing mission because I've also had a similar idea in the past too. And so I've been learning a lot as well, like kind of working on products that are shipping and getting feedback and working on a design team. And also I did freelance work. I did freelance work for another startup called Virtually. And I kind of got experience like working with clients, different stakeholders and everything, different audiences. During hackathons and design challenges, I've actually done nine of them from February till June. I just kept signing up, working with different people each time, learning so much and putting projects on my portfolio and also working for Opal and also working for like freelancing for virtually. Yeah, so just getting like experiences that way and later like keep applying, keep networking at the same time. And I actually got my internship without applying. I got through networking on LinkedIn, through sending 400 personalized connection requests and having 30 coffee chats. So that's how I did it. At the same time, I was 
doing hackathons and doing all these things while being a full-time master's student. So that's how I did it. And my experience in coffee chats with all these design directors is that they care about your experience. They don't mostly care about your educational background, but they care about what you do with what you learned. So that's what they look for. And it's like oftentimes school and more school or boot camps can be really expensive and not very accessible by not everyone. So there's definitely events, hackathons, startups, freelance it's free to enter so and a great way to get experience so you don't always have to like sign up for a degree or school or anything to get into design yes thank you for bringing up all those options grace i think your input is particularly valuable since yes you did not spend money to become a designer and you are a successful designer so very proud of you from friend to friend and you have a very impressive story just to the general public so thank you for sharing that Thank you. I also feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping before in design. I've seen people post, oh, my $700 mentorship program on Twitter. And so I was like, it's crazy out there. And that's why another reason why I was inspired to give back and help other designers. I had a lot of designers help me for free. So now I'm just trying to help people as well and creating design buddies and helping people find help they need. Because I just definitely feel like gatekeeping is also something to be aware of. As a new designer, you'll definitely see some of that. And there's always free resources and people ready to help without making you pay anything so for any listeners out there like wanting to go and design just be aware of that and it doesn't have to be that way yeah that's a very good point and something else i wanted to bring up you listed a lot of really great ideas if i know i want to do x in this case of course design if i know i want to do something i can just dive in and these are different ways that i can do it do you have any thoughts on maybe i want to explore some industry or job role or something on the surface level before really diving in, what should my like first step be? For me, school is actually a great way for me to explore how it's like in different fields. In undergrad, I took a wide variety of classes like chemistry, math, physics, different types of engineering, I learned that I didn't like most of them, which is really, really important. So definitely taking classes and getting like a fundamental knowledge of each of these fields is a great way to see like, oh, if you're interested in that or if it kind of aligns with your life mission or you see a lot of interest in that. And also getting internships. And for me, getting internships was sometimes it's hard, especially for large companies and super competitive. They make you have experience before getting in their internship, even though internships are meant for learning. But I would say look for opportunities at school like research opportunities with professors because those typically are from my experience only less compared to get in than companies just get involved in different student organizations get involved in different clubs at school i was in like spoon university writing articles so it's more like marketing communications i also really like doing that on the site so that's why i was in their club and chinese student association and there's so many different clubs like anime clubs so i would say taking different classes when you can not like classes too outside of your major that'll push you back in graduation but classes that kind of really focus on what you're learning in these classes and seeing if you see yourself learning that long-term and also joining clubs when you're at school and different organizations, see how they are and like meeting people of the same interest as you and asking about how they liked it or how they got involved in it and kind of getting to know their background as well is really helpful when determining your career path. Yes, I definitely think leveraging school, if you are a student and any resources you have on campus would be a really good idea. What are your thoughts, Grace, on the value of reaching out to someone in a potential job role that you're interested in? What is something I can get out of that that maybe I cannot get out of school? Oh, yeah. So that basically changed my life, (laughs) reaching out to people on LinkedIn. I used to never network, like reach out to people, like cold reach out on LinkedIn because I thought I was weird. But I had a mentor who encouraged me to DM design directors on LinkedIn. 
I guess for me, I learned a lot about their story and how they got the design, and like they gave me a lot of advice that's not Googleable. And so, for example, like when I reached out to LinkedIn, I would say the 400 slides connection request. I'd say, "Hello, I'm Grace. I'm a computer science engineering student working towards a career in UX and product design. Would love to learn about how you got to where you are today." And later, they'll accept, and then sometimes they'll like chat via text, chat via phone, chat via Zoom, and I would just like basically get to know them and ask about their story and how they got to design, what they've learned in, as a design leader and what they kind of see in beginner designers. And I would like find things I have in common and like ask questions. So for example, if someone had a similar background as I did, I'll be like, yeah, I see you're also a D1 athlete. How did the skills you learned from that experience help you as a UX design director today? And just like get really, it really pushes them to think as well and reflect. And they really apparently like that. So yeah, I would just like ask advice like that, like specific advice. And once they asked to hear about my story, I would say I would like emphasize on the thing we have in common and like make like a personal connection. And I wouldn't ask for a job because once I did that, well, I didn't ask directly for a job, but I asked like what traits do you look for for interns? And I could tell like it probably rubbed off bad. So I stopped doing that. It was one of my first calls. Just ask them about their life and like how they got into design, like what they learned and just like just things just naturally come up. I treat it like a friend, like even though I used to feel really intimidated because a design director probably gonna have like 10 years of more experience as I do. I'm just a small potato. But then I realized that they just like want to make friends too. They're super, super chill from the ones I've met, super down to earth. And just they also like like hearing about my story too. And I also asked them how I can help out as well because they also spend a lot of time giving me advice. So I always make sure to ask. And as someone who is just a student, I, I always like confuse like, oh, what? how can I possibly help this design director? But you'll be surprised. Sometimes they won't have anything, but they'll be like really, really appreciative because you asked. And sometimes they would like, oh, I would love feedback on this new design I'm doing. Designers always love feedback. So that's how I would help them. And oftentimes, and a lot of them are actually mentors right now and design buddies because they want to give back as well. And they all join design buddies and they're all mentors now. The people I had coffee chats with, or some people I had coffee chats with. So yeah, I've been keeping them connection warm, following up with another few months, keeping them updated and invite them into design buddies and an opportunity to become a mentor there too. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad those relationships actually turned into something more than just a coffee chat, which is promising, hopefully, for everyone listening. And I really like the points that you brought up, Grace, about essentially writing this fence between genuine and transactional conversations. Since I started my recent role, I think I've gotten many requests and it within the message that comes along with the request, it includes something about, hey, can I get a referral? And Oh, me too. Yes. <laughs> receiving that sort of message it doesn't feel nice, as nice as a coffee chat, someone asking me about my life, maybe alluding to the idea that they would like a referral, even that might be pushing it a little bit. But do you have any sort of last words on how to make sure that these conversations do not come off too transactional? Oh, yeah, because I definitely made that mistake in the beginning. Honestly, kind of shy to ask quote referrals because I was kind of afraid. I'm like, I don't, I barely know this person. I know this person's like, advo- would be like potentially advocating for me. And so I kind of put that into understanding. But instead, the questions I kind of probably shouldn't have asked was what skills do you look in design interns when they're applying? It kind of like alludes to that. I was even, I was more subtle about it. I would not bring that up at all unless they ask, unless like they ask me if I had questions about the internship. 
with. But I would focus the conversation about them to learn about their design journey, not about me and how I would get in. And I would try to get to know them and ask you how I can help out. Just like ask them how their day went and just really chill. Because honestly, like when I updated my job on LinkedIn, like the same day, I got like 10 people like got to me for referrals before I even started. I still get a lot every day. I only refer people who I've like know well enough or like worked with in the past. Like I'm happy to refer anyone that I've like know well enough because I'm like putting myself out there in the company. Sometimes people will be open to do that, especially like other interns. I see people like putting their name out in referral databases and everything. But I would recommend not doing that because you're advocating for someone you barely know and it could come off really bad if that person is actually like really bad so I would just like be really careful of that as well and just as a job seeker wanting to get your foot in the door I would really put yourself in a perspective as a referral as the person you're reaching out to because they're advocating for you they're putting their reputation out there for you and so it's good to understand what's coming from and oftentimes they will be the one offering so I would also advise the job seeker to kind of wait and seeing if the person they're reaching out to for advice offers that. So that's what happened to my manager. Like my manager at EA, he asked me if I want to work on this team. And that's when I said, yes, well, I will like wait for it if it ever happens. But I tried 400 times. It's definitely a numbers game, but I would not be so direct about it because the other person is putting their reputation out there for, for someone that they don't really know very well. Yes, very good. Very good words of advice. Grace, do you have any last words of wisdom for anyone looking to make a career or major change? Yeah, the biggest struggle I had was people discouraging me. And I just want to say that you don't need permission to do whatever you want in your career. They might be experts in their field. Like I had professors who had PhDs and all that, but they don't know your field and they're not qualified to make decisions for you. So don't let their words of advice or discouragement discourage you from pursuing your dreams and your interests because you don't have to listen to them. And it's okay if you don't agree with them. No, yeah, that's that's great advice. Follow your passions, essentially. Yeah, and don't listen to people who kind of don't align with that. It's okay to not listen to them, even if they might seem like experts in their field. Yes, thank you for that, Grace. And thank you again for joining us. As always, great chatting with you. To anyone listening to us, thank you as well for joining. As always, at Opal, we shine brighter together. So we'll see you next time. 